And I, it, I felt it did give me more leeway in terms of kind of a, a little bit of an edgier brand. I was like, okay, Searsha is gonna be like the cooler version of me. <laughs> Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Psychoactivision Presents. I'm your host, Peter Strickland, and we've got another wonderful interview for you today. Before we get started, I did want to ask that if you're watching on YouTube, please like this video, subscribe to our Psychoactivision YouTube channel. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, then uh, please rate and review us. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Psychoactivision. For today's episode, I've got one of Atlanta's best synth pop artists, Searsha. That's so nice. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's nice to have you here. I, uh, You and I... Um, met a couple years ago in an interesting way that is kind of directly related to a lot of things I want to talk to you about today. So, um, and honestly, I would say that maybe the, I'll go ahead and introduce the topic of like today's conversation, which is um, visuals and, and sound when it comes to music and how those two things, um, that's what I mainly want to talk about just because that's kind of how we first met was, and we'll tell that story in a minute. But before any of that, please, before I forget, promote uh, your social media or any shows that you have coming up, uh, music releases, anything like that. Yeah, that sounds great. I would love to do that. I would love if, if you're here watching on YouTube, uh, first, of course, follow this channel, then go over to Searsha's channel, my channel, and follow that, uh, subscribe to that as well. And it, I'm at Searsha Music, that's S-E-R-S-H-A, across all platforms, IG is a great place to follow. I keep that pretty updated. And I would also love if you check out some songs that I have co-produced that have super recently come out. One is with an artist named Alyssa JC. She's based in Nashville. The song is called See Me Cry. And the other just came out yesterday, uh, an Atlanta local artist, Bridget Lean. Her band's called Bridget Lean and the Houseplants. So both of those are actually on my Spotify on the Discover Searsha playlist if you want to check that out. That's awesome. And that playlist sounds like a great way for anybody who is interested in just diving in and seeing what you sound like to, you know, to, to get in there. Anyway, yes. um, did you want to promote anything else before I... Yes. Thank you for reminding me. I've got a big show coming up on Monday, April 11. I'm actually opening for Nightclub and Holy War on their national tour. So I'm super excited about that. It's going to be at the Masquerade um, Purgatory. And you can get your tickets directly from me either on my website, searshamusic.com, or on IG. Click the link tree um, or just DM me and I'll get that to you. <laughs> I love Linktree. It just makes everything so easy. You can just put everything, you know, just be like, just go there. That's yeah, where everything is. Exactly. But um, uh, anything else before I just kind of, I just didn't want to talk over you or anything. I think that's it. I think okay. those are the the main things. Those tracks that I co-produced have just come out and then that show is coming up. Uh, that's a big one for me. Yeah. Yeah. I really, uh, before I kind of get back to what I was talking about a minute ago, um, because you mentioned co-producing some tracks, I really appreciate that about, you as an artist, just that, um, I know a lot of people who are, uh, 
I don't, I don't really want to, you know, call them out or anything and, and say that they're like, it's like they're, I guess, maybe self-absorbed, but they don't really make music outside or they don't really help with other people's music if that makes sense like like uh anything that i've ever heard from them is just something they've made and they kind of don't they don't really have a collaborative spirit i i think that just the fact that you are interested in you know working with other artists you know whether you're producing the track or adding some vocals on someone else's track that's really cool to me that you're constantly trying to work with other artists and i just want to throw that out there oh i thank you yeah yeah that's awesome it's really important to me the community aspect of it mm -hmm. and i think i'm really fortunate that i i think frisky monkey who is another local synth wavy synth not less synth wave more synth pop i think i would describe their music as they connected me to this great synth driven community on twitter and so a lot of the stuff where i've contributed vocals and done some writing or, or other collaborative projects have come through that community mm -hmm. and when I do work with an artist from a co-production standpoint especially if we're getting more in the weeds with the technical stuff I always want them to walk away feeling like they're empowered with more information that they've learned something new that they know that they're taking steps in a direction that if they want to start taking on some of that on their own mm -hmm. that they're getting those tools um, because I think for me I wish that I had had more confidence in myself to start producing earlier. Mm -hmm. So I try to, if I can, I try to be that catalyst for others to, hey, you can, you can do this. You can. Absolutely. You know, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Take a step. So yeah. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Going back to originally what we were talking about, you know, what I want the topic of today's uh, discussion to be. I think it's important to tell the story about how we first crossed paths because uh, I don't, you know, we don't necessarily have any mutual connections or anything from what I understand. I was working for a local photographer uh, two, three years ago before the pandemic. And part of my job for him was helping him pare down on a lot of the technology and random stuff that he had. Like, you know, I sold some cameras for him and things like that. And I would meet people, you know, who uh, basically to sell things on Craigslist. And uh, one of the items was this Panasonic. Um, is it, it? Do you know like the technical name for it? Like, or, or is it just like a radio TV? Or, like, it is. A, it, it does have a radio and AM and FM radio in it, but um, it's also a CRT. Okay. TV. Yeah. 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 So it's like the you know something you would take camping back in like the eighties, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And he had it from, I think, him, maybe his father. And, uh, you know, it, they weren't going for a whole lot on online or anything, especially since you could, a lot of people were like, you can barely get them to work and everything. Um, and he had me sell it and uh, you contacted us and um, we, you know, I, I ended up meeting you. Yep. I think I met you at like a Dunkin' Donuts. It was maybe. the Dunkin' yeah, Donuts. Yeah, it was the yep. Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> to, to, to sell you this probably for like $25 or something. Yeah. It, it, was, it, it wasn't too expensive, but, um, and I remember... I just kind of was curious, and I think I did. I ask you, or did you tell me first uh, about like why you wanted the TV? Because it just kind of. That, I mean, I'm not sure. It's, it doesn't really matter that much, but I probably feel like I was like, "What's why? Why, why do you need this TV?" Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because I was kind of expecting, honestly, for it to be maybe like an older man or something who wanted it that would be who was like, "Oh, well, I know how to repair these," and sure. like I, I had one back in the day or something, but. Uh, instead you told me about an idea that 
kind of blew my mind and I never really thought about, but it kind of, uh, it directly lined up with some of the aesthetics that, that I was really interested in and growing in my own visuals at the time, which is VHS, CRT, just like basically 80s and 90s glitch art, you know, mm -hmm. I guess is the best way to put it. And um, it was cool to me that you described the fact that you wanted to get multiple of those, that uh, of those TVs and have them on a stage and, uh, you know, basically send a signal to them to where they're all playing like the same video mm -hmm. while you were performing. And it's kind of crazy to me that uh, the pandemic happened and then I didn't see you for like two years. And, <laughs> and, and yeah, it, but well, actually it's like I didn't see you, but we had contact because in a weird turn of events, my old photographer ended up uh, selling his house and moving and uh, Sirsha here moved into that house and and then and then uh, so the old place that I worked is now her home studio, which is <laughs> which is awesome because like I, I loved that space and I'm happy that it's being used by someone that I know is using it well. Yeah, you'll have to come over and see the studio. Sometime. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's way different than what you know what 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 it was like before. But I love that checkerboard floor. Me That's, too. Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. That was a big a big pro for that space. No, it's so fun for me to hear the story from your perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just pepper it with some more yeah, yeah, color yeah, yeah. as well. That yeah. So as I was coming over uh for the podcast recording today, I was thinking about where I was where my head was when I was deciding to move towards the CRT TV visuals for my live show. Mm -hmm. And part of it was I knew I wanted to incorporate visuals f as part of that experience on stage, but I didn't want to do it the same way that everybody else was. I didn't want to do the projector on the screen. Mm -hmm. I'm an Enneagram type four. I have to do everything a little bit different. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm like, hmm, what can I do? I'm kind of leaning into more of this retro pop feel and some of my music what you know what about crt tvs and it just so happened right around that time i was able to find some smaller sized tvs because i'm also thinking i don't want to lug you know 90 pound like 30 tube inch TVs. tube yeah. tvs mm -hmm. <laughs> to shows yeah. so well and part of part of that too is my husband who often helps me load in was like you you can't Especially <laughs> you can't get TVs that don't have like some kind of handle yeah, that yeah. we can carry in. So I was like, okay, okay. So that Panasonic was I perfect. I forgot. It does have a handle. It has I mean, a handle. It, it's made for camping. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And it's got the little pop-up uh, screen. Mm -hmm. So it's very portable. But I just remember going over to, the, to meet you at the Dunkin' Donuts. And I think, yeah, we connected about the visuals thing. And then I started following you yeah, yeah. and checking out some of the visuals mm -hmm. that you've made for, mm -hmm. for other bands and artists. I was like, oh, this is a cool connect. And then when I, you know, the pandemic happened, we, we did the pandemic move thing. Mm -hmm. And I posted a picture of the house and you were like, oh, that's where my old boss used to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I asked, you know, I think I was like, oh, you live kind of in this area, right? Because I picked up that TV from you. And uh -huh. then this realization that I call that TV Panny because I feel like it has a very big personality. So <laughs> Panny used to live in what is now my house. It's crazy. It's it, you know, it, it really is crazy. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, and it's kind of funny because like you drove, I, I lived in this house when I worked for him. So like you drove the same route that I've driven a million times going to work for him. Like it's, it's just kind of, it's just really ironic. Um, I never really thought that things were going to work out like that. But I mean, life is like that. So 
I, I call that story when we tell that story to people who come into my studio and they see that TV. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, the TVs. I have to tell them that story. And it, it, the title for me is really Panty Comes Home. It's, <laughs> Panty is the protagonist. Yeah, it's really yeah. just about Panty. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But I have I have a question, uh, technically speaking, about, mm-hmm. about the TVs. So are is it, when you first described it, I, uh, it sounded to me like you were describing sending like a, like it was going to be through an antenna. Yes. So is that how you, how yes. it's being done? Yep. Okay. So um, I purchased a, an agile modulator on eBay. I mean, these things used to be, if I'm remembering correctly in the tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. back in, you know, broadcast TV mm-hmm. days. Um, but now you can get them for 30 to 50 bucks on eBay and then through a series of different adapters, I go like RCA to HDMI to USB-C to connect to my laptop, to my MacBook, and from there can broadcast whatever I want to the TV. That was my main question. And I, because whenever, so kind of a, I didn't mention this, but um, to tell like the story full circle, it was really cool for me and I even took a photo, uh, you know, when I was at, uh, when I, when you hired me to film, uh, at Starbar, yep. I, I took a photo of the Panasonic of Panty because, because I was just like, this is so cool that it comes full circle and I actually get to see the idea that you told me about. And I was, was like, that sounds really cool. I want to see it. And I think I'd seen footage that you did where maybe you shot something like in your home studio mm-hmm. or, uh, with, with those, but that's a different story because that's, you know, it's a little bit easier to set up something at home, but doing it live in a place that's not your own studio and everything, that's that, that, that's difficult. But showing up to Star Bar that night was really cool to see them all set up and like playing, you know, stuff, uh, videos, uh, you know, before the show started. And then I kept taking footage of the TVs, like playing your music videos, because it was just such a cool aesthetic that the uh, those were happening at the same time you were performing. And, and it... it I can't remember correctly because I was uh, a little bit, um, you know, preoccupied filming, but were you singing, were the music videos playing the same exact, was it in sync with exactly with, as you were playing? Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. you got it. And it's cool that you're asking me about this right now because I'm actually preparing for a workshop I'm giving on Wednesday in Athens at Tweed Recording with Dustin Raglan, who's a local uh, brand ambassador for, um, Ableton. And so it's actually Ableton that allows me to sync everything up so simply and beautifully. I've got my stem tracks in a live set, and then I can just sync up the video footage that I want to just, that just lines up perfectly with, with what I'm going to perform. So, yeah. I really, really appreciate uh, that just specificity, that level of, I mean, uh, performance wise, I'd I just was kind of blown away. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so going back to like what I keep saying we're going to talk about, which is overall we're talking about this, but um, I really appreciate artists who are really dedicated to a visual component. Because in my opinion, I mean, I'm a videographer, so I think that's kind of obvious that I would be think that that's important. But there, we, we live in such a postmodern age now where there's so many bands that have been, that have done the thing or artists who have done the thing where it's, oh, they're wearing, they're drably wearing, you know, uh, some clothes they found in the thrift store or, you know, there's all sorts of ways to present yourself. But, um, I just really think that 
when I go to see a, a performance, uh, I really don't like it when the band kind of seems uh, distant or the artist seems like they just kind of, they're there to play the music and nothing else matters because, well, I'm like, well, if that's the case, I could honestly just like sit in a room with headphones on while you did this. If it, you know, I mean, I've even been to shows where the artist turns the lights off on themselves and then they just have like maybe a visual playing behind them. And, and, and that's a little bit different. I feel like that's like another thing. But um, I wanted to kind of ask you, when you were, uh, I, I think if I'm not, not mistaken, Searsha has been a project for you for about five years, right? Mm -hmm. Or, yep. Yeah. Um, did, did you kind of have like aesthetics in mind, visuals, uh, things like that when you first started? Or was it all about the music and then the, the visuals came later? Because I mean, there's people who oftentimes do already have a, in mind, like, I want my music videos to look like this. And that's what, you know, the, the music's supposed to, that's what would pair well with the music. So sure. give me an idea of that. Yeah. So I think in some ways I was thinking about the visuals and some of that developed over time. So I had a project when I first started trying to get into, when I, when I first started my music career in 2014, I was stepping away from the corporate world. I was working part-time and then just doing any gigs that I could find, bar, restaurant, birthday party, just, I mean, anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, I put out a project under my maiden name, Cara Claudi, and it was sort of like sonically all over the place, just kind of figuring out what worked and what was my sound. So I spent some time in Nashville. I was writing a lot, and that was about the time that some mentors were like, why don't you try production? You're feeling like you're not finding your sound. You play piano, you've got a good handle on theory, you play guitar, like you sing, you write, you know, why not? Just give it a try. So that was when I first dabbled in Ableton and started to get my feet wet there. So came back to Atlanta and I thought, okay, I don't wanna put out another project under kind of this old brand that I had. I want something fresh and new. And I was really tired of writing in rooms where people would say things like, well, we can't say that because it's not radio. It's, you know, or no one's going to cut that song because it's too specific. I was like, I want to write songs that I want to hear. I want to write songs that are really honest and that express what I'm trying to, what I'm feeling or what I'm, what I'm thinking without worrying about if it's radio or if some other artist is going to cut it. So that's actually how Searsha was born because the name is a Gaelic word that means freedom. And I want, I really wanted this project to be about freedom of expression. So in all of that, wrapped up in all of that was, okay, how do I visually represent this? And I, it, I felt it did give me more leeway in terms of kind of a, a little bit of an edgier brand. I was like, okay, Searsha is going to be like the cooler version of me <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like a little bit bolder and a little bit darker I really leaned into a little darker palette for the the art for that first record and right around the time that the first singles were coming out my husband and I went to Vegas for the first time and I knew I wanted to do just a D I was starting to get into DIY visuals. So it's like, you know, smartphones have started to, started to have these amazing cameras. This mm -hmm. is back in 2016. I was like, 
my husband had just gotten a new phone. I was like, all right, we're going to get the phone gimbal. We're going to drive out to the desert. We're going to get Joshua trees in here. I was born really near Joshua Tree National Park. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a personal tie there. I want to just dress in a cool, you know, hip way. And we're just going to get this footage out in the desert yeah. and see what happens. So that, that video, that DIY video for Wasteland was maybe my first foray into just just having just going with it just yeah. just you know making something that i thought would be cool and yeah going from there and we shot some of the footage for the paper video there as well and then i mixed that with some uh footage from the uh what is it archive.org mm -hmm. and maybe you know now that i'm thinking about it i think stumbling across archive.org and all this old footage and kind of mixing that with the new was maybe one of the first uh that was me mixing the new and the old yeah. and and then i think as i kind of thought about the crt tv thing i was like i think feel like this would look really cool mm -hmm. on this old tech this old footage on this old tech and so i guess it was a little bit of both peter like a little, th I thought about some things on the front end and then a lot just kind of unfolded from, from there. I totally understand. And, um, you know, uh, going with the, going off of, uh, the name Sirsha, mm -hmm. meaning freedom and, uh, meaning freedom of expression for you. Um, I, I did want to, you know, kind of say something I, I've noticed listening to your music is that, um, you have a sound, but at the same time, I would say that it's mainly the vocal quality that carries through from song to song. And what I appreciate about your music is that I can't say your you, your music is one style or is one, you know, because, for example, uh, there are songs that don't have any drums or very, very, very little percussion. There are songs that, I, I, you know, I don't think you have anything that's percussion heavy necessarily or like real in your face, but... But, uh, but at the same time, um, I think what I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily, I don't get bored. Uh, I'm, I'm always listening and going, this song I can tell is the same artist and, and I appreciate that it's, uh, am I making sense? Yeah. I, I'm really, I mean, just because I, 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 I mean, honestly, there are artists, uh, who kind of fall into like a sound and then every song kind of has that twinge to it but mm. the main thing i would say like i said is that uh your vocals have like i've always said like an ethereal or i would say maybe a floaty or you know kind of spacey kind of quality which i really like um but that is the main thing that i think carries through and i can hear in all the music and everything else i just appreciate that you use different sounds and instruments like uh you know i, I hear new percussion all the time that i didn't hear in other songs so just want to throw that out there thank yeah. you yeah of course there, there's a part of me that wonders if I would be more commercially successful if I stuck to one sound, but I, I don't really care about that. Yeah, I, 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 I being commercially successful is is such a like I think these days it's a really strange thing to to even talk about just because it's like what does that even? And I guess what I mean is uh, I've noticed that. We don't really live in an age where everybody knows uh, the popular artists anymore. Right. There can be somebody, like there are bands, I'm sure you've experienced this, who they're on like 
late night with Jimmy Fallon or, or an artist or like that, like they're on like a, a big thing. Like, and then you look them up and then you're like, oh, they have like 5 million followers, but you're like, I've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. So like, I think it's just, it, it's, we live in kind of an oversaturated world where there's just so much music. And the good thing about it in a way though, is that the internet's made it where people who are synth pop fans can find it. Yes. And actually I wanted to uh, uh, bring this up because I kind of noticed this I was looking at um, one of your music videos, I can't remember, but I feel like I I noticed a comment on one of your music videos at one point that said someone uh, found you on Twitch. Mm -hmm. You do Twitch streaming, right? I do. Okay. So tell me about that. Like, how does that, um, is it music, all music related or? More more often than not. Uh, So I started out on Twitch before the pandemic. Mm And I was doing music performance, so I'd take requests on there, play original stuff, play cover stuff. And then I started getting more into some improv stuff. So I'd do just like live loop improv um, for a couple of hours. And, and actually some of those ideas have become songs. I, I'll take those ideas that I come up with on stream and then write around them, make an arrangement, build it out, that kind of thing. Um, I have done some non-music streams that have been really fun, like a, a tasting video where I had some of my Twitch fam in Sweden sent me a bunch of Swedish snacks and, and <laughs> nice. like drinks and things. And my husband and I tried a bunch of that stuff on stream. And then we did the same where we sent a bunch of American junk food to Sweden. <laughs> and so then streamed the Swedish peeps trying that stuff on on my channel. Um, so some, some fun stuff like that. It's usually Sweden related if it's not music. So we did a big Yule board. Uh, they sent a bunch of recipes and we made them and tried to do the Swedish like Christmas table mm-hmm. tradition, which was a lot of fun. But, nice. but yeah, it's mostly music. I got into it because a friend of mine was like, this could be a great way for you to connect with more fans. And to your point, we live in such a great time where we do have this direct access to people that that like what we're doing or or just like us as a person and want to support what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, cool. that's kind of like what social media is really is like often someone doesn't really even care about your music necessarily. That, that sounds bad, but it's like, I mean, I'm sure there's people who are like, I just think you're a cool person. And uh, yeah, I listen to music sometimes, but you know, yeah. it's like whatever gets you followers, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you want to tell everybody uh, what your Twitch handle is or where to find you on Twitch? Yeah, I'd love to. It's Searsha Music on Twitch. Or if you go to twitch.tv slash Searsha Music, you'll find me there. Awesome. Um, Going on with uh, our discussion about aesthetics and uh, or just like the visual aspect of music, I wanted to talk about uh, your music videos. Because, well, you've got a pretty good array of music videos. Uh, and again, I think this is just like the music itself. Um, they don't they don't get boring because they, they're all different. I mean, I, I hope that you take that as a compliment. They So far, I haven't seen one that I was like, that looks just like the other one, you know? Um, uh, my favorites, though, I really like Changes. Mm-hmm. That, just the set design and everything was so beautiful. I mean, uh, and it... it uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have to, you know, uh, dispel any secrets if you don't want to, but y'all shot that in a way that um, 
I believe at least is a way that I really, really am like fascinated with. I've always wanted to shoot a music video like this, but I've never had any, a slow enough song. Um, where if I'm not mistaken, when y'all were recording that, did they speed the song up and, and yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we, I had, I made a version of the song that was two X speed mm-hmm. and then practiced, uh, you know, doing my lip sync singing to that track. Yeah. And so then we shot everything and, and in post they slowed it down. I love that effect. It's such a cool, I've seen it and I've done it as an experiment. Like Mm -hmm. I've sung along with a song just to like, you know, uh, but it's, it's difficult because you have to have a song like changes that's slower because think about it. If it was like, yeah, it's going to be too fast. So it has to be like already a really slow song, but I love that effect. And when I saw that, I was like, I'm already like, gonna keep watching now (laughs) amazing yeah yeah i i am really proud of that project we i worked with a a director friend of mine weston manders he also did the video for lecture me and typical and we sat down him me and a visual collaborator i love to work with her name is tatiana kazana she's a makeup artist and stylist and and set designer and just really she can do it all and we sat down and we were like, you know, what do we want to do with the song? What does the treatment look like? And I had this thought. I love the Labyrinth movie. I love David Bowie. Mm-hmm. I was like, can we do something that has this really whimsical feel like the the ballroom scene when they're in the, the bubble? Mm-hmm. I was like, well, we probably don't have budget to make a bubble, but maybe we can shoot it outside and have it be a little woodland um, whimsy. And we had over 25 cast and crew and somehow managed to pull it off. I don't think I slept for at least 36 hours on the actual shooting weekend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We had a location change at the last minute that we managed to navigate. And actually, I think turned out even better than our original location in the end. An artist, Lexi Street, let us use her, her beautiful backyard at the time. And yeah, I'm just so pleased with how that turned out. I, uh, I really just, uh, it's nice to hear, you know, a little background on, but it, it's, it's also kind of fun for me as a videographer to be like, I know how they shot that. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but, but I feel like other people would go, that looks so floaty, but they're, they're speaking in sync or they're singing in sync. So how does this make sense? You know, but, um, I love that trick. Um, but, uh, you had some, like I said, um, I'm trying to remember. I honestly am like visually trying to remember the 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 video with the the yellow and the lemons. Oh I, yeah, I, for I, lie to you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, so sorry. Sometimes I'm like I remember the visual, but I can't remember what the song. You know. But uh, no worries. I just really like that. Like I said, every video I watched was completely different. I'm trying to think. There was one more that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, well, I loved typical. Um, I think typical was one of the coolest ones. I, I'm pretty positive you had it playing on the CRT TVs. Uh, Cause you, did you yeah. play it? Yeah. Yep. That, that one I think, um, which by the way, uh, on the CRT TVs, did, you haven't added any other effects to the video. That's just like playing the, uh, cause it has like a glitchy effect to it. That's just the that's natural. That's from the TV. That's awesome. That is so, <laughs> but I mean like whenever I was filming it, you know, that, that looks so cool. Just mm. that it, it has this, uh, so whenever, whenever I watched the typical video, uh, I was kind of like, wait a minute, this is supposed to look 
like a VHS for a second, but I was like, no, that was just the, uh, you know. Just because it's on the TV, yeah. But but I think it, uh, that look with the CRT TV looks really cool. I think that that's a one you should definitely keep in there if you haven't already thought that, so. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad. I, it, 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 I do really love how the videos look when they play through the, yeah. the TVs. It mm-hmm. just adds that magic special sauce. Well, it's yeah. very, it's very, and it's an authentic look. Um, I mean, I work with uh, like files a lot that are like glitches and everything that mm-hmm. people have captured from VHSs and things like that. But sometimes you'll download stuff from the internet um, and you'll even ones you pay for and you kind of look at them and you're like, these almost these do look a little bit fake, but getting the the natural look like that with like I don't know, it's just it, it's just so perfect. It doesn't look like it's a you know some Snapchat filter or something, right? And, and I feel like these days there's not a lot of appreciation for that authentic look of like film grains and things like that because people often do think, oh well, that like it, you know we have Instagram filters or Snapchat filters that make it look like it's really easy to give something a VHS look or, but it's like that, it's not that simple to make it look that authentic without, you know. So um, in your, in your experience, do you have any, uh, I'm trying to think of like how to phrase this question. Um, When you're editing your own stuff, Mm -hmm. do you uh, use any kind of like, I guess like, I mean, I, I sometimes use like synthetic effects, like visually to, do you use stuff like that too? Or is it, do you just try to go for the natural CRT look as much as possible, I guess. I guess it depends on what I am editing. For the Lie to You video specifically, there's a couple of moments where I used, I don't even think it was a filter, but I think I just looked up a tutorial about how to do it in Premiere where I kind of shift the blue and the reds mm-hmm. to to have that it's a, effect. I, it's called chromatic aberrations, ah. which I, I love that. And I only know that because in Premiere, it's like an effect in uh, in Adobe, it's basically chromatic aberrations is like when you look at an object and then it's separated into red, green, blue. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that is weird about that is like if you do it too much, it starts to look like like the stuff that makes CRT look so cool, in my opinion, is it's subtle. It's not mm-hmm. like when you watch like a good VHS effect or a good CRT effect, it's because they didn't overdo it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff these days where it, uh, and I've been this way in the past when I didn't know what I was doing as much, like you kind of push it a little too far. But uh, yeah, um, I, I love those kind of things. I don't, I don't know why it's just the, the retro look. And actually that's a good you know way to kind of transition into this question. Why do you like the retro look? Is it, uh, you know, I think you're like me that you are a 90s kid. Mm-hmm. So is that part of it that it's nostalgia? I think a lot of it is nostalgia. Like the beach music video, I actually just took VHS footage that my parents had and I like converted that one. That it was to really digital. Cool, yeah. And I didn't do any, I didn't add any filters. I didn't do any yeah. color correction because it didn't need it. It yeah. was just, you know, straight up footage from, from the 90s, you know? So. Yeah. I, um, I, this, it really breaks my heart this happened. Um, I have a high eight camera that was that I my family had ever since like 1998 or something, mm-hmm. and uh, when I w- or maybe even 97 or something when I was a, like a kid, I would play with it and like you know make home movies with my brothers and sisters. Yeah. And my parents dug it up a couple of years ago during the pandemic, and I got really into um, 
learning how to convert, you know, to make everything digital. Yep. But what kind of sucks about it is the more you look into it, it's to get a high quality, uh, you know, digital rendering. It's just, you have to spend more money on more equipment. I mean, I ended up getting kind of a simple, it's, you know, basically my videos are like a low bit rate. And so once you upload them like YouTube, they kind of look not as good, mm. which is not, you know, it's not ideal. But uh, my point is it, it just, it was, it was so cool that I was able to, I still had the camera and I was able to like film stuff around the house or, you know, I even like filmed a music video a couple of years ago for somebody with it. Then it stopped working oh, and, uh, and I still have it. It's just, uh, it, it wasted a couple tapes recently and there's no use in trying to make it work if it's, you know, but the feeling of filming something on a camera that I know I held in my hands like over 20 years ago and it's just so cool. That's and, awesome. And, and it's, and cameras were so simple back then. It's just, you zoom in and out and that's pretty much it. Yep. Yeah. I think too, I have a fascination with, with both old tech and just the physicality of it. Like the fact it's sort of, I think for audio people, it's akin to recording to tape for video people. It's using film, right? And there's just something really special about knowing that that's actually going to a physical medium, even though, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you know, transfer it to digital afterwards. I think that's really cool. And it kind of adds something special to the process of it. Oh yeah. yeah. We, uh, um, my wife and I, when we got married, we, uh, had that camera before it stopped working. We actually shot like stuff at our wedding reception on it. I oh, mean, wow. so it was very informal. It was just, you know, us kind of going around being like, say, Hey, the camera. And that's, that's kind of how people did it in the nineties too. Yes. We weren't so worried about like, well, how, how's this going to look on Instagram? It was just like, well, no one's going to see this except our family. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So just make it personal and yeah. No, that's a great point. Which, you know, it's a, it's a weird, it's weird kind of, I guess, comparing, you know, now I think about it, that idea of like cameras in the nineties or even like for musicians, there was really not a way before the past, maybe 10 years, the 15 years for people to, in like a good high quality record music videos, record live performances like, it's amazing. I've seen some footage that, you know, someone got their friend to shoot for free on a really nice camera at like a local show. And as long as they plug an audio recorder in the soundboard and get a good feed of that, mm -hmm. like they can make a really good live video. And even just like 20 years ago, that was just so impossible. Like, you know, it, it was uh, owning a camera was a big deal. And then on top of that, you couldn't really distribute it. You just mm -hmm. had the camera and that in the video tape and that was it. No kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I guess that's all to say. I am thankful, like you said earlier, that we do live in the age of being able to get things directly to people, whether it's through social media or um, it's really easy to release your music on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I can't believe there was a time when people had to have record deals and things like that right. just for anyone to hear the music. Yeah. 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 And then you have to wonder how much of that music was so gatekeeped by record executives or radio executives. How much did we not get to hear the artists wanted to make? That's actually a really good point. I have never thought of it that way. And that's that just makes me a little sad. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that artists that there are plenty of stories of of artists who pushed for songs they really believed in even when executives were like, oh I'm not sure about this. Mm -hmm. Well you mean Rhapsody, for example. Oh nice. Or, yeah. 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 But I, I guess I'm, I heard a great 
NPR interview with Daryl Hall of Hall & Oates, Mm. and he was talking about the contrast between back in the day with all the gatekeepers versus now. And he actually said he prefers how it's structured now, which I thought was really cool. It's cool to hear someone who has been around for a while with an opinion like that, because I'm so tired of people like, I don't know, Eric Clapton being like, I hate the, you know, the industry now. And then you're like, just, you already made all your money. Like, you know, just kind of go like, I think my point is it's just, there's always going to be people who, were famous like 40 or 50 years ago and they're mad at how it is now because yeah. they, they don't understand social media and how to stay relevant and all that. That's sure. part of it. Uh, and I mean, for them, it was a completely different world. They didn't have to really market themselves at all. I, I'm really kind of thankful that I live in the age now. I keep saying the age, you know, modern age, whatever. It's, I mean, present times, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to be, you know, alive now just because it is easier to, you know, make your own thing. I wouldn't be able to make this podcast, you know, like this is something that was unheard of, you know, 20 years ago for me to be able to do all this myself. But uh, anyway, so uh, just out of curiosity, are you working on any new music right now? I am. I am working on a new record. I'm not sure if it's going to be an EP or a full length. We're kind of going to keep writing and see how it shakes out. But it ties in nicely with the visuals theme of the show because I'm trying something a little bit different with this process. I have a concept for the album. And actually, I would love to I'll share that here publicly for the first Absolutely. time because why not? Here we go. Uh, so I think the concept, the, the working title right now is The Way of Beauty. And I did a photo shoot right around my birthday last year with Zoa an amazing photographer, probably one of my favorite photographers, I was going to say in Atlanta, but just generally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then Tatiana. um, So it was the same team that did the Save Me Now video, uh, but we did a still still shoot with a couple different looks. And I'm using the visuals from that photo shoot to guide the sound and the feel of this new record. So versus usually I'll have the songs first and then figure out the visuals after. I'm trying something a little bit different. I try not to get locked into a certain process. And this is a another experiment, creative experiment. That's really fun. I, I like that. Have you ever done something like that before? Or I mean, let a, a visual kind of guide the, or is this kind of the first time for you? I would say, you know, I have a side project I haven't touched in a few years, but it's called Sarman Can Diego. And I take, <laughs> yeah. Nice. I love that. So I take uh, audio I capture with a Zoom recorder uh, while traveling and then build songs around that. And when I was working on that project, I was taking photos, mostly photos that my husband had taken. He's a much better photographer than I am. And he'll snap kind of random stuff like, just for example, I think one of the photos for that project was of a bottle of, of Japanese uh, barbecue sauce just in a grocery store. <laughs> yeah. and I wouldn't even think to take a photo of that. but So I took a lot of those photos to kind of guide the, the process of making songs around the found sound recordings. But other than that, I, I don't think that I've really used the visuals to guide the sound as much. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Um, I personally, I don't know if I've mentioned this, uh, I'm a drummer. So, I mean, I am a musician in a way. I, you know, I, I didn't know 
that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't play all that often these days. I haven't been in a band in years, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of other things going on. But I was going to say, I know for me personally, I would probably have a problem. I would probably have not be able, that would be a really foreign way to write music for me. Mm. Um, just because, I don't know, I, I just have never really gone in that direction. And I feel like maybe you're inspiring me now to, you know, try something new. Cool. That'd be really cool, yeah. Um, so aside from uh, the EP, do you have any music videos or anything that uh, in the works? No music videos in the works. A couple of, actually, no, I take that back. Okay. I take that back. I'm working on a music video with a, a producer, Thorison, who's based, now based in the London area. He's actually from Iceland. So we've got a, a song that we've collaborated on and we've got some visual concepts. So actually just spoke with him this afternoon and we're aiming for the fall for that release. Um, and then I have another similar situation with a producer artist from Australia, Griff. So we've worked on a track together and we're going back and forth about some, some different visual ideas. So, so that may come to fruition. Uh, I don't know if we'll shoot in both places and put things together or if it might be my team working on things collaboratively. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, so yeah, actually some visual stuff that's, that's in the works. So. Awesome. Yeah. So one question that I uh, ask, I usually start the podcast asking this question and I didn't really start this one quite this way. Uh, I usually ask my person I'm interviewing, where are you from originally? And uh, how'd you get started playing music? So you, you've answered a little bit that you were, you're from California originally. Yeah. So my dad was in the Marine Corps. Uh, I was born in 29 Palms near Joshua Tree National Park. Spent some time in Hawaii, Colorado, Okinawa, Japan, and Indiana before moving to Atlanta. So the three places I've lived the longest are Okinawa, Indiana, and here. And Atlanta by far the longest of anywhere. So it's definitely, it definitely feels like home to me. Um, I started taking piano lessons while we lived in Okinawa. We moved when I was seven and I started taking piano right away from a, a Japanese piano teacher who I actually got to reconnect with when I was there in 2015 in Okinawa. My husband and I went back, which was really cool. That's really, that's awesome. Cause that I mean, that was such a huge formative experience for what I do now. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So uh, that was a great foundation for me, just years of, from from then through age 18, I took classical piano lessons. I considered um, becoming a music major, but I thought I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I actually never thought of doing music professionally until I kind of like made the leap to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I picked up guitar when I was about 14. I was at, in boarding school at the time and it was a lot easier to play guitar in my room versus try to seek out a piano that kind of thing. And I started writing songs and that was kind of thanks to, a my very first boyfriend because he was writing songs and it had never really occurred to me. I was like, Oh, people write these songs that I hear <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to try doing that. And yeah, so, you know, that was the, where all the the writing began. And I remember making these, it was, it was the MySpace era. So I remember making these like demos in, I guess it was GarageBand. And, 
it, then when I started producing in 2016, and when I looked back on that, I was like, I was a little baby producer. <laughs> I totally understand. I, uh, to my embarrassment, I found some like really bad like beats that I made in like FL Studio when I was like <laughs> in high school, and I was like, these are so bad. But you know, it's it, it's fun to look back on it though. Yeah. It reminds you how thankful you need to be about where you are now. Yes. You know? Yeah. 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 But that's, uh, it sounds like uh, you had a very, uh, a fairly traditional then uh, music upbringing. It's not like you taught yourself how to play guitar or, so, or you know, it sounds like you had a, a good, good teachers and a good support system of that. I definitely had a great support system. I'm so glad my parents really encouraged me to stick with the lessons, the piano lessons. And on the guitar side, I, I had enough lessons to kind of get me into it and then there were actually some pretty big gaps in my knowledge for a while. And then I took a few years ago, I took lessons um, here in town to kind of fill in some of those. And uh, I actually started lessons recently again to try to build my, I would really love to be able to shred. That's my <laughs> goal in a few years. You know, so. I've got, I've actually got a buddy uh, who I don't think he teaches music lessons anymore, but he used to be a music teacher and he specifically is a master shredder. Like I can send you, you know, his links. He's, he's a great, um, but that, uh, you know, so if you ever, maybe, maybe y'all can collab at some point and yeah. teach you how to shred because he's really good. And uh, I think y'all's music would cross over in some way because he makes electronic uh, kind of lo-fi music. So yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was, uh, you know, just something I wanted to kind of cover because I'm always interested in where someone, you know, got into music because it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. For me, it was kind of similar to you that I, you know, my mom signed me up for like piano lessons and then I started taking, you know, took guitar lessons and drum lessons and things like that. So it, you know, for other people, like I said, it's, they just pick it up and they start doing it. So it's just so interesting to see how everyone, you know, has a different story with that. Mm -hmm. I think we're probably gonna wrap up the conversation here. Um, it's been really awesome. I, uh, you know, this has been just a lot of fun. And uh, I just wanted to ask you one more time if you wanted to promote anything like your social media shows, anything like that. Yeah, I guess I'll just reiterate wherever you are on socials, I am there. It's Searsha Music everywhere. And if you're here in Atlanta, I've got a show at Masquerade on Monday, April 11, opening for Holy War and Nightclub, another great local artist. Ghost Host will also be there. You can get your tickets from me on socials or my website. And yeah. Awesome. Uh, you can follow us at Psychoactivision. You can follow Psychoactivision Psycho Presents on Spotify. We have, uh, you know, a playlist on YouTube with all of these episodes. So you can literally just click if you want to watch all of them. Um, aside from that, thank you so much for coming in. This has been a great conversation. And, you know, maybe eventually I'll have you back on when you have more updates, like a new album out or something. That sounds great. Yeah, thank you awesome. for having me. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.